I'm Linda Van Falkenberg. And I'm Ron Gore. And, and you're listening, listening to, to the, the Co Parent Academy, Academy Podcast. Podcast. All right, welcome everybody. We have a Reddit post today that we're going to talk about that involves one parent showing a 10 year old child parts of text conversations between herself and the father. So this Reddit post is posted by the step parent who says that the mom is showing parts of texts between the dad and the mom. So she says that her husband's really careful about what he says, but sometimes gets tired of being harassed and accused and tries to peacefully reassert boundaries. Uh, but apparently the mom is deleting the messages, her messages. So the kid only sees his and it makes it look like the dash is coming out of nowhere. And for example, maybe telling her to stop attacking him and maybe to refrain from bad mouthing him. And then she says to the kid, quote, I can't believe your dad just comes out of nowhere and treats me like this. It's so horrible. So this stepmom is saying that she wants to help the spouse. She hates seeing this happen. It tears her up because now the 10-year-old son feels anger towards the dad. And apparently the dad has full custody. Uh, I'm not sure what that means in this case. Clearly the mom has visitation. So it seems like uh, the dad has primary physical custody and the mom has some form of visitation. So, Linda, this is not a good situation, is it? No, but once again, it's very, sort of say normal, frequent. Yeah. <laughs> Typical. Right. Whether it's, I mean, so kudos to mom, I guess, for going through the steps of deleting the text messages. I mean, at least she has a plan, right? So <laughs> at least she's. She's doing something. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's okay. I'll probably cut that. But she's part just out. deleting her <laughs> part, right? right? I mean, it takes effort. I mean, a for effort on mom's part, I guess. Uh, I think that I would think take more, more effort on her part, wouldn't it, to just delete her part of it? That's what I'm saying. A for effort. She's oh, having okay. to go through. She's having to take hers out. I mean, that takes commitment. At least, <laughs> <laughs> at least, mom has some commitment in this process, but. This is not unusual in the sense that we often have parents giving one side of or a skewed side of a conversation to a child. So this is just a different format in which she's literally deleting parts of text messages instead of just leaving that part out when she's talking to the kid about what the situation is. Yes, I've heard of parents just reading their side or the other person's side of something as well. Right. I mean, and you know, I have to take some issue with how stepmom is describing dad's peaceful, peaceful reassertion of boundaries. Because if dad is saying things like stop attacking me and stop bad mouthing me, I understand the impulse to say, stop attacking me. But that's an unnecessary communication. And, it, and if it were a necessary communication, it's not framed in a way that is designed to ever be successful. Right. 
Am I misreading that? No, I thought about that as well. Or if she says he's really careful most of the time, but sometimes he just needs to set a boundary. And those boundaries are what not to do. But the other side might not think they're doing that. So, yeah. Right. So I would love for for both of these folks to have our Co-Parent Academy communication protocol course, because I think both sides could probably uh, have some help in the conflict resolution as well. One of the issues that's coming up in this, and the reason why this uh, stepmother is asking for help, is because the son, who's 10 again, is feeling anger towards dad. And it's often the case that a son is going to get angry at someone who's mistreating his mom and he's not sure. going to necessarily see what mom is doing or care. I mean, frankly, if someone, especially at this stage, it's right. a developmental thing too, right then, right at that age. And she's probably, right. I mean, I'm trying to visualize the situate the scenario in which mom is showing him this. Um, I doubt she's showing it to him calmly and like, Oh, just in case you're academically interested, look at this one half of a conversation. You know, I'm sure it's an emotional affair. I'm sure she's distraught. She's playing on his sympathies. She's trying to evoke in him, um, a age inappropriate masculine protective instinct to protect his mother from the father. So she's putting him in a real position where he's going to have more loyalty binds than he must already have and having, you know, the dad and the stepmom and, and all that. And then I've had several children through the years tell me, I just can't even believe how my dad talks to my mom in emails or texts. And I'm thinking, how would you ever right. be reading that? How do you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I know sometimes, you know, they're just playing on a parent's phone and a text will come in and they'll be seeing it in real time. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, they could go back and dig around and read text lines. Sure. But they're also probably going to stumble into some other stuff the parent would rather they didn't read or see. Sure. Or they could be in the car and it comes up on CarPlay or whatever. Oh, yes. Or it hands free. Yeah, reading your text message. And, or, you know, <clears throat> big as all Dallas on the, on the uh, family the big screen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, please don't do that. Yeah. Mm. All right. So, Men, I being one, I can say this about myself as well. Um, sometimes our communications are not as careful, where we're not uh, being as soft as we could in our communication. Sometimes I think we're more to the point. We have less of the softening, uh, sort of padding words that go in just to make somebody feel a little, little bit better and to let the information come across a little bit better. And that may be the situation that happens just sort of normally. You know, I, I've seen some of my own clients' messages, men to women, sometimes women to men, where I know that they have a good heart. I know that they're not intending 
to be short or cold or anything else. They're just not aware of how their communication style can come across and how it's not efficient in obtaining their objectives. And sometimes being inefficient in your writing style by adding in some things that you don't think are necessary but are kind can make your communication much more efficient because it'll get you the result that you're looking for much more easily. I think it goes both way. When the man is the one texting or emailing, yes, soften your approach, add a few extra things. When you're the woman communicating with the man, maybe trim down some of those details (laughs) and the emotional kinds of sentences. And just stick to the facts. Right. And of course, we know before the comments come in, because we've received comments, sometimes we're anti-man and sometimes we're anti-woman, which is probably the right balance that people think both. The um, We're just talking about generalities here. You know, we're talking right. about the bell curve, the standard distribution. There's folks on all sides who speak in all sorts of different ways, but typically that's what we see in all of the thousands of text messages and emails and that we encounter in our work. That's the general pattern. And I'm an older lady. I use a lot of emojis. <laughs> yes, you I do. want to be really understood. <laughs> yes. And I try to pull back on those when I'm communicating with a man. Probably not with you. Not with me. But I do. It's emoji central. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great because I mean, I don't get the, when we're texting, I don't get the sound in your voice. That's an emoji. You know, I don't get the smile on your face. That's like an emoji, you know? So when you have that context, but part of what happens is you and I have a great relationship. We love talking to each other. Right. If you and I were exes and we had a kid between us, you'd probably be, your emojis would be like a flame in a pitchfork. That's probably what you would do. (laughs) Knowing your horrible temper. That's right. You would be thinking it. You just wouldn't put it. (laughs) Exactly. And then my communications would be perfect. Yeah. (laughs) But you also have to be very careful, whichever side you're on, about what you do put in those emails and texts, because you never know if one of your children is going to read it. Or even beyond that, if you're a tardy, your GAL, your PC, the therapist, you wouldn't believe how many sessions have started out with one of the parents sharing with me what the other parent said to them last night in a text. Right. And or what the parent said to the child on their phone. I've read many, many texts right off the child's phone. Right. And I'm aghast at, and and maybe this is a parent who's been unusually cooperative and really doing the right thing in a session with their child, but then you just said that to them last night. Right. Right. And you and I have both testified in various roles, you as a counselor, me as a parenting coordinator or guardian ad litem. And I'm, I know you have, and I have had my emails 
or text messages brought up and said, hey, what did you mean by this? Or why did you write that? You know, we all have to be aware if we're involved in the legal system in a, in a way in which we're likely to be subpoenaed or made to testify that we're going to have to answer for those communications. And, you know, I tell people who are going through rough emotional situations, I get it. If I were in your position, I probably would be communicating worse than you are. So kudos to how well you're doing, but you got to do better. And you have to do better because it's going to go poorly for you in court if you don't. Just because we feel a certain way doesn't mean that it's justified. And even if it were justified to feel that way, it doesn't justify our communication to our partner or co-parent in a way that's hurtful. And so I feel like people need to do more effort, to put more effort into resolving their internal conflicts internally or with a, a trusted confidant or with a counselor and have the communications not be the method by which they try to protect themselves or attack someone else. It's just, it's so unhelpful and it's, it's hardly ever going to go the way ultimately that they want it to go. Or when you step it up another notch and share that with your child in some way. Well, and that gets to one of the concerns that this person has. And, and we looked, you know, when we read these posts, we're also looking down through the comments. And this one had lots of comments about, you know, what do I do? So some people are saying, show the child the complete text message history so that they can get the full context of the conversation and know that mom is lying about it. Linda, what do you think about that? Oh, <laughs> first of all, I don't think the court ever appreciates the other side trying to aim at the score. Right. You could tell me more about that. But I think that doesn't, it's like two wrongs don't make a right. Right. Yeah. Uh, and who's to say that the kid's going to believe you? I mean, it's hard to move a person's off of a certain top. It's hard to move a person off of an ingrained position. And as a trial attorney, I run into this all the time. It's one of the reasons why it's helpful to go first when you're putting on a case, because you're able to establish what the court's initial perception is. Because once a person, once a, a judge, for example, has an idea cements it in their head, it's very tough to move them off of that position by pure logic. Typically, what you need is some emotional stimulus to jar them sufficiently to permit the logic to go in and to then move them to the next position, at least in my experience. And if you're trying That's to- That's why I've been put on first in lots of situations. I yeah. get it now. Yeah, I mean, I Yes. So if I had a situation with you in which it was very clear that your testimony was going to set the emotional narrative for the case and establish the baseline for the judge that was helpful to my client, I would put you on, establish the basic facts that the judge needs to know to understand who these parties are through you because you know a lot of them. And who the child is. And who the child is. And then move from there. But that's why typically when I'm trying a case, I'll if I'm the petitioner, and I have the ability to do so, I'll put the opposing party on first and 
get out all of the basic facts through them, the uncontroverted facts that the judge needs to know. And then because I've done sufficient discovery, which is part of what I do in my practice, I'll get that person, the opposing party who I put on first to say out of their own mouth, the things that are negative about them and positive about my client, because that establishes it for the judge and it's hard for them to do much with it. And then if my client has really negative things about them, I'll address it then I'll bring up the stuff through them. And cause I know it's going to come out anyway. So I might as well do it first and then deal with it while it's coming out. But wow. that is the reason we got onto that is because if you have this 10 year old child who has the position in their brain that Dad is saying mean things to mom in text messages. Right. And dad is saying mom's a liar. That's not what's happening. One, you're already reinforcing that dad is saying mean things about mom. Two, if the premise is that mom is changing text messages, then there's a decent chance the kid may say, well, then how do I know you're not changing text messages? If you're saying mom can take things out, how do I know you're not putting things in? Right. And so I know that it's very tempting. They would actually say that. Right. I know it's very tempting to try to set the record straight with your child. But it's hardly ever going to go the way that you think it's going to go. From my perspective, the better call is to get some consequences for mom through the court for doing that. If you can establish that it's being done. And then to move on. And ultimately, I think you'll be able to move past it with the child. Is that what's your perception? No, I I think that's very true. It is no matter how no matter how it's presented, I think the first person who says it to the child, like somebody's lying, somebody's stealing from somebody, that is such a strong negative statement that it is very hard to reel it back right? as the other parent. Yeah. Now, ultimately, if this, and this is a form of alienation by mom, if she's doing it, if this alienation leads to a resist, refuse dynamic, and it gets to the point where a counselor has to get involved to help with the relationship between dad and son, Well, then that would be something that maybe I think approached in the reconciliation counseling, but it would be done in a way that is developmentally appropriate and therapeutically appropriate and shepherded by a professional instead of a parent doing a ham-fisted job of trying to justify themselves and prove their innocence. Right. How would you handle that? I've had parents offer to show the child the rest of something or like, let's say the parent has to get frequent, regular drug tests to prove that they are clean and sober. And I've had many children through the years that say they want to see the results of those tests even though I let them know that the parent has to pass those on to the court, etc. But then almost every time 
if the parent says, I think that's kind of adult information, but if you insist that that will help you believe that I'm really working on this and I'm really different now, the child usually backs up and goes, oh no, if you're, if you're willing to show me, that shows you don't have anything to hide. Hmm. What about this situation? Let's say that this were to get to the resist, refuse area and this father and child and mother present to you for a reconciliation counseling, how might you address this kind of situation where the child is upset with dad because of these text messages? And let's say that you're able to determine that mom, in fact, is doing that. I would want to have read the rest of the text line. Right. And typically, if a totally middle-of-the-road third party can say to the child, especially talking to a 10-year-old, would it help you to hear my perspective as somebody who has read the whole text line to know what else was being said? Typically, they do want to hear about that. I don't think the therapist should be reading that to the child or hand it to them to read. I've had stories about that before that that happened, Mm. but just to let them know there is more to the story. And yet they do probably still have a need to confront the words that they did read from dad to mom. Just like we started out saying, you got to watch what you write in the first place. Right. Because if dad's messages are all unicorns and rainbows, then the kid's probably not going to be mad at dad. He must be putting some things in there that are at least open to contortion into dad's being mean to mom. Yeah. And most of the time I'll say, if the child read the entire thing, they probably would not think that mom deserved for dad to talk to her that way. So dad would still have to own what he's been doing. Yes, I think so. In, in your process, would there be any part of mom owning what she was doing? Very good question. Typically that would happen as part of the process after, well, before or after the child goes in with the parent, in this case, father, and the mom, if she hasn't already, could let the kid know that, yes, she deleted her side of of things and whether or not she feels now that that was appropriate or what she was saying was appropriate. Wow. Do you think um, this mom would actually do that? How many, how many moms like this? Never know. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. Sometimes they do because I'm involved and the court's gotten involved. Yeah. Well, regardless, we have one parent potentially acting really horribly. The other parent could use some tightening up potentially. And a kid who's just as typical stuck in the middle with conflict they didn't create, which they can't avoid, and which isn't healthy. And 
what's really an important takeaway in this situation, the child wants to believe both of you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to leave questions, comments, or concerns, please email podcast at coparentacademy.com. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen.